1: Welcome to the Fringe of It, episode number forty-seven. I feel like it gets a bit more
2: avant-garde every time we do it. Just I know it's like a bit. Never mind the buzz cock, cocky, isn't it? Jack thinks uh, uh, it's never mind the buzzcock. It's not even still on anymore, is it?
1: Sadly
2: not. No, but he always, um, Jack said that I would have been absolutely useless on that bit. Because sometimes I'll hum him a song and he's like, sorry, what, what, what is that?
1: Joe says that, but I think I'm actually really good. I'll do something. And I'm like, that is so spot on. You have no idea. And he's like, it sounds nothing like it. And I'm like, well, you're, you're lying. How rude are our husbands? How's your week been? It's been good. It's been like, it's, it's I mean, it's only Tuesday. So what can I say? But I feel like... It's been good. It's been I feel like I'm quite stressed at the moment, um, because of reasons we will cross shortly. But I'm good. I feel like i am just a bit of a nervous purpose at the moment, but had a lovely weekend. Um and I've just got back from the gym. Um which actually does that amazing thing that I finally
2: cottoned that exercise does actually make you feel quite chirpy sometimes. Exercise is the best. Maybe like not always when you're doing it, but I've really learnt recently and it it's, it actually makes me do exercise more because I just concentrate on that endorphin high afterwards because it just kind of sorts so many things out. It does. Do you know what? I
1: think it's, your, it's such a mindset thing. And I know it's what everyone says and it's so cliche, but I think when you're doing it because you feel you have to do it or there's pressure, I hate doing it, I'm like not doing it, and I have no motivation, whereas if I'm doing it just because I'm like, no, I need an hour for myself,
2: I can listen to some good tunes, and come away feeling better, I'm like, God, I love this. So agree. When um, In the past, when I've done exercise for a goal, pretty much of weight loss, it's been, it's been awful, and now, I mean, I haven't, we're really getting onto a topic here, but I haven't weighed myself for probably since before June was born. I just love, yeah, I just love working out for my mind. And that's like, like you say, reframed it. The mindset is I'm doing this for my brain.
1: Yeah, and and then I look forward to it. And I don't feel like disappointed if I haven't fit, like squeezed it in because I'm like, well, no, if I haven't squeezed it in, it means I've got other things, which means my mind is elsewhere, which means it's fine. Like it takes the pressure. off. Whereas I think if you work out to, with, for a goal or to lose weight or things, you beat yourself up. If you miss a session, you're like, oh, you're useless. Whereas I think if I'm like, oh, do you know what? I've had a busy day. Do you know what? Live. Just have a bath. And then you don't punish yourself. And it's just like, wow. It's like what everyone says. But then when you experience it, you're like,
2: whoa. Um, can I just backtrack? Is your, is your question to everything? Do you know what? Just have a bath.
1: Just have a bath. On la- last night I had a dramatic bath. Oh, uh, <laughs> what? A gymnatic? <laughs> a dramatic bath. I, would,
2: I was like, I don't even know what that word is.
1: Never had a gymnastic bath, and I was just Joe. Felt, I felt really like tearful
2: and emotional. And Joe
1: was at the bottom of the stairs. He's like, "Liv, are, are you all right?" And I was just like, I felt like Joe and Lilo and Stitch, where she just laid on the floor, like just like listening to Elvis, being really like melodramatic. That's how I felt in the bath. I was just like having a weep, and just like Ugh. Joe was like, "This is like such a sad scene" because <laughs> I was like. Bath is just such a good thing, but it's a great location for drama
2: to just let it all out. I feel like I need to improve our bath situation so that I enjoy them more. The bit that I kind of feel a bit bad about, because I'd like I would like to bathe more, um, but like June has a bath quite a lot and so I kind of like feel from a water perspective like I can't be bathing as well and when you get in a bath with June I mean it's not relaxing the water's tepid she's like throwing water and like bubbles in your face and I'm like no this isn't kind of what I had in mind. Every time I go to a hotel and there's a bath which makes it sound like I stay in a lot of fancy hotels and it, it it really isn't the case I I bathe whether it's, like, I have to make use of the bath. Whereas here, I just kind of look at it and it's it's a bit kind of like a, well, it's, it's set up for a toddler, not for a 33-year-old woman to, like, chillax. I cannot believe I just heard the word chillax. I didn't even wow. finish it. And then I was like, no, you are not saying that word.
1: And thank you for listening today.
2: Um... <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, R.I.P. Charlotte Jacqueline. That is, oh, my God. I'm gonna have to. we gonna have to put like a warning before this. So <laughs> Language. <laughs> I'm. I'm like officially on corner, aren't I? That's it. Joe,
1: that, that that is possibly the least cool thing you've ever said. Sorry for any other chillaxes out there, but <laughs> I have no shame in insulting anyone that uses the word chillax. Oh my god! Can <laughs> we move on? Can we
2: move on? <laughs> How's your week been? I, every time you ask me this, I feel like I'm like, I can't remember what I've done. So I went back in my diary to have a look and uh, yeah, I still don't know what I've done. I made some brownies that I'd really like to give a shout out to. They weren't actually brownies, they were blondies. They were mm-hmm. rhubarb and white chocolate blondies um, by Rosie Burkett. And oh my God. <laughs> you know, when you make something and it's so good and you just keep going into the kitchen, and you're just like, oh, just have another little bit. Oh, I'll just have another little bit. Oh, like it's dangerous territory. Yeah, they they were really good because I've had a few like disasters in the baking area recently, and I was like, maybe I just need to give up on the old baking because I would regard myself a good cook. But yeah, the baking's not been great. But I was I was really pleased with those. Um, and I've also been to the doctors as I keep talking about my periods and and super long cycles. My really nice doctor sent me for blood tests. Oh,
1: good for you for doing it. It
2: is it it can be quite scary and take a lot. Yeah, well, the blood tests—I kind of like psych myself up, and I'm fine, and it's always fine. Um, but I also went for a pelvic scan, and I didn't really read the instructions properly. I thought I had, but I think I needed to drink like a—what did she say? Like a liter or a liter and a half of water. And actually, I remember from when I was pregnant, like I feel like you had to drink quite a lot of water when you had a scan. Anyway, so then she was like, "We're gonna have to go into the vagina," and I was like, "Oh." Um that's fine but you know when you're just not ready for it like I had dungarees on and lace up lace up boots and I was like oh okay um I'm gonna lit and the worst pants on ever I'm just gonna be stood here in my yeah. socks <laughs> yeah. but yeah it was fine um it, like I would say on a level of discomfort it was like one because I think a smear test is probably like three um but that's over quite quickly whereas this was I don't know 10 minutes of I think it's
1: more like when I went to the doctor's recently and I wasn't prepared um, and I had dungarees on and I just think oh god it's like wearing a baby grow and I'm like I've got to strip myself and you're like oh why did I wear dungarees?
2: (laughs) I know, I know she was lovely the lady that did it she was like um, there was a privacy screen and, and you know I mean I'm not really that bothered anymore I will literally get naked in front of anybody. Not in exhibitionist fashion, but you know what I mean. Like if if a doctor like you you know you need to take your clothes off for this examination, I'm like yeah fine. Whereas that like, younger me would have been like trying to get dressed over my towel, like I like I still do actually, um, yeah. like in the changing rooms.
1: Oh yeah, the changing rooms. I always struggle with. I'm just like I wish I was someone confident enough to just peel off the layers and just be like yeah whatever. But I think I kind of like overanalyze it and I'm like cautiously looking at everyone else, which makes it probably look
2: like a bigger deal than it is. You've just painted the best picture ever. I can, like, pitch you right now. (laughs) What a vision. Um, and yeah, so that's all I've been up to this week, is making blondies and having blood tests and a pelvic scan. They're they're both good things, good steps. Shall we move on? Because there is a link, and I should have said it out loud, but you went to the BAFTAs on Sunday, and I want to talk about the BAFTAs, so can we move on to Teletalk?
1: It was so good, um... It's always one of those things I feel so lucky to be able to go because I'm, I think I said this last year, I'm someone that doesn't have any credentials or talent in the film industry whatsoever. Because
2: you've not been given your opportunity yet. Well, This
1: is what I keep saying. I was approaching people going, I've just not been given the opportunity. But it was really, really brilliant. It's like, it's so good because I feel like you see it live, and then, but then I like seeing what people see at home because obviously it's cut and edited. My highlights were seeing Taika Waititi, who is someone I've got a huge mammoth crush on at the moment, and who also directed Jojo Rabbit and is in Jojo Rabbit, so he has other credentials other than me fancying him. Also loved um, Yakin Phoenix's speech, which obviously was so, like, I really, like, at the beginning, that's the thing, at the beginning, the chair of BAFTA did a speech um, which i don't think was shown, no, that on- wasn't shown um and she was talking about how they've kind of they're literally reviewing the whole nomination process um, but it wasn't shown, but then his speech was amazing, like although i've seen that I know he's quite anxious, and he 's like, you can tell he's anxious because I think there's a, there's a lot of pressure going up to speak to people, as is, let alone when you 're being broadcast and you're trying to convey something articulately but he just did such an amazing job of talking about something that I think a lot of people were thinking about.
2: Yeah I was whooping um like because um Rebel Wilson had me in actual stitches. Oh my god
1: Rebel Wilson like that's the things like where you're seeing it you don't see other people's reactions like that's the benefit of watching on the tv like you can see what Kate and William thought about the other jokes that she was making you can't see that so
2: I love seeing like the viral clips of things because I did I just I don't catch those live reactions. Jack was like are we going to watch it and I was like well it's on quite late at 9pm because it doesn't finish till gone 11 but um we watched the whole thing but yeah Rebel Wilson was hilarious and then when Wacken came on and did his speech which um just to give anybody any context that's not seen it but um there was a lack of diversity in the nominations this year at BAFTA and um, for example like Margot Robbie was nominated twice for the leading actress category and it's just like what wtf uh basically and he, he he said that the system that the industry needs to change he's not done enough and it was just the language that he used like systemic racism is a problem like he wasn't skirting around the issue he was like boom boom boom
1: yeah completely and that's the thing and i think Because at the beginning, BAFTA were speaking a lot about what they do for young actors and lots of different people across loads of backgrounds. They do such a lot of work and they were like, we've really were so frustrated that that's been overshadowed by this, but they're looking like, and hopefully it will trigger like a industry-wide change. Yeah. That that will lead on to other rewards and everything because I I don't know how the process works, but I just know that his speech was amazing and I was like, it's especially with everything that's going on at the moment in the world and people like I'm not going to name any names because I don't think we should give any attention to people that are, you know, trying to up their name game by just being problematic. But I think with lots of conversations about privilege, um, it's amazing to see someone like that using a platform really well. So, um
2: yeah. Yes. Swacking. Well, um Yeah. Was Jessie Buckley as great IRL as she was oh, on the telly? My God, exceptional, like pitch perfect. Oh, I, I love like... that girl. I love that film. I don't even think we've we've spoken about that film because I think it came out while we were off air. She is amazing. I've not seen it, but oh, I... you would love it. I'm saying I need to watch it. That's on this weekend's
1: agenda. Um, but her the lady who did her makeup joe baker is one of my favorite people to follow on instagram so if you're a makeup lover miss joe baker who does like lucy boynton's makeup was getting jesse buckley ready so i was just like oh
2: my god she yeah (laughs) she's just incredible and i was just sat there thinking i bet so many actors in this room are pissed because not only can she act but then she can sing like that it's like oh you're just too talented but if you haven't seen wild rose watch it it's Exceptional. So good.
1: And I actually, there was one thing I did do, because I, I feel like I have like no dignity at things like this. Like I really struggle to just control myself and not approach people and tell them I think they're great, um, which isn't very cool. But Florence Pugh walked past me when I was sat down at dinner and I kind of like tapped her. Do <laughs> I'm like, sorry, I'm not laughing. <laughs> I'm just like, what is wrong with me? But I was like, oh, just wanted to say, I think you're amazing. A little woman was great. And she was so nice like just so polite and like asked my name. And I was like, and she was like, oh, I'm Florence. And I was like, I know who you are. And she was like, okay. Okay,
2: back off now sunshine.
1: And I was like, why can I not just have a bit of decorum and bedside manner? But um anyway, it was it was really, it was such a treat to go. um And yeah, just really, really enjoyed it. And I feel like whenever I do see it, it always inspires me to watch more films. There's so many things that I hadn't seen. Um, although I did try and put in a bit of homework to see as much as I could, I'm always like, God, I haven't even heard about some of the films.
2: Oh yeah. I've got a big list after that. I mean, I've got so much chat, but I think we should just leave BAFTA because otherwise I could go on and on and on. Talking of, um, Florence Pugh, one of the things that I have watched recently, which didn't, um, it actually came out in March, 2019. So I'm so behind, but I watched Fighting With My Family. Oh, I haven't, that's something I really wanted to see. It's such a good film. So it's about WWE, which I I didn't watch any wrestling growing up, but I know that it was a big part of the culture at the time. And it, and it is now, but like, it was just like Hulk Hogan. I grew up with... Like knowing who he'll blah blah, I can't even talk knowing who Hulk Hogan was and things like that. Like, I don't know, wrestling seemed huge in the nineties. It's still huge now. Um, but it's written and directed by Stephen Merchant, and I pretty much love everything Stephen Merchant does. Talking of not being cool. I oh, once Stephen Merchant's cool. No, 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 no. Stephen Merchant's way cool, but I was not <laughs> cool because my old boss used to have a Groucho membership and she used to take like me to the Groucho every now and again, and she would be like B. Cool, like you can't, Charlotte. You're really cool. You can't take any pictures. Like just be cool. Anyway, one night I had a few too many drinks, and Stephen Merchant walks in, and obviously it doesn't really help his case that he's really tall. Um, so I was just like Stephen, um, went over to talk to him, got a selfie, and um, I think my boss got told off for me using a um, a camera, but you know, you've got to do it sometimes. Sometimes you've just got to be on cool. But yeah, it's got Dwayne Johnson in The Rock. Uh, Vince Vaughn is really good in it. And also Nick Frost as well, as well as Florence Pugh. But if anybody's not seen it, you don't even have to like wrestling. Like after that, I went on a massive wrestling research. Like, cause I, I love Glow as well. And I think Jack was just thrilled at the opportunity to show me some of his favorite wrestling clips on YouTube. <laughs> Oh my god, it's happened. Yeah, he was like, oh, that's amazing. Oh also Jack Loudon, um who I think was in the BAFTA Rising Star Award. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's so good in it as well. Um but if you want an uplifting film, um definitely, definitely give that a watch. Look no further. What have you been watching? Well, last night I went to the cinema
1: and see Queen and Slim, which was exceptional i watched graham i heard a lot about it um from joe's sister she was like it's amazing you have to see it and then i was watching graham norton on friday um and daniel kaluuya and jodie turner smith were there um and jodie turner smith wow 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 she is just radiant i I just can't i can't go over she wore the most incredible yellow dress the baftas on sunday anyway dresses aside um it was amazing um I cried a lot um but basically the plot is that Daniel Kalia and Jodie Taylor Smith are on a date um and it's their first date they met on tinder and they have an incident running with a police officer who goes on to um I think um, what this is the thing so I missed the first 15 minutes because we were very late so the first bit I've kind of I knew about but I didn't see um basically they shoot a police officer because he was antagonizing them and I think he shot he like attacked her anyway so it basically they go on the run from the police basically it's basically to survive basically basically um to survive but it's about their relationship and it's about kind of like America at the moment and division and race and it's just so poignant but so like you really fall in love with their characters because at the beginning it's they're both kind of figuring each other out and they kind of get on each other's nerves, and it's about their relationship. And it's just, it's un- like it's just so beautifully done. And you watch it, and there's points where uh, you feel like really scared. And then you just think how like, mind blowing it is. Like, there's a scene where Daniel goes into this um, garage, and this guy working there was like, Can I play with your gun? And it's just that you feel scared for him, and you just think, how it's mind blowing that we don't have to like how can i say like without sound like it's just white people don't have to fucking worry about this stuff do you know what i mean yeah you
2: just like, realize like just how like you it, just it's systemic racism like yeah we don't and ha- have to fear for our lives every single day
1: yeah and it's just like and i don't know that you're aware of it but the, because you're watching it and you're feeling scared you just think what the fuck like I I don't have to worry about that. And it's just... I think it's like putting that on a platform to people that don't perhaps understand systemic racism or don't
2: necessarily, like, appreciate, like, what it means to feel frightened for your life. Yeah, like, the white privilege that we hold and, you know, how we need to keep using it to change the whole goddamn system.
1: But but Yeah, that's thinking thing in quite... Like, what we'd call an ordinary situation is life-threatening. And it's just... Yeah, it's it's like it's a really important watch, but the score is amazing as well. Dev Hines, um, I don't know whether you're a big Blood Orange Lightspeed Champion fan, did the score, um, which again is amazing. So if you need a great playlist, may I point you in the direction of that? But it's just amazing that they are both incredible in it. Um, they were so good on um, Graham Norton as well, like just so funny, and sh- she's expecting a baby at the moment, and she just looked like
2: unbelievable, like, radiant. Oh yeah, um, the BAFTAs, ten out of ten, out.
1: sensational. Oh, 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 I can't. Have mind, um, but yeah, I just I cannot recommend it enough. Um, and it's yeah, it's amazing. So I've watched that. Um, and then <laughs> there's like two other things on my list. One is Would I Lie to You because I just watch it on YouTube all the time just to see Bob Mortimer on it. Um, because I think like all I can say is just watch Bob Mortimer on Would I Lie to You on YouTube because
2: it's my favorite thing. It is my favourite thing in the world. I always get those two confused, which is terrible. Is he the one that does Train Guy?
1: Um, yes, yes. Sorry, I was like, Train Guy.
2: Train Guy. I love, I'm obsessed with his Train Guy videos. Hi, Stu. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going into the office. Yeah, yeah. That is, because I'm on trains a lot. I hear Train Guy all the time
1: he does that on my old, like, so where my parents live, that's the train line I used to get home. And I was like, I could have seen train guy IRL.
2: (laughs) Have a -a cappuccino on me.
1: I love him so much. But he's just hilarious on Would I Lie To You. Like, you think he's lying all the time, but he can, the way he tells the truth is so brilliant. And I just, I watch it and I'm like, I want to be Bob Mortimer of blogging. I want to be that funny. Um... A girl can dream. A girl can dream. Um, some girls want to be Alexa Chung. I want to be Bob Mortimer.
2: Fair um, enough.
1: But yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I've been watching. And also one thing I started watching, that I know you've already finished, is Next in Fashion.
2: Yeah, well, I say I've finished. I basically skipped the last five episodes and just watched the challenge be introduced, the catwalk and the judging. <laughs> the refined version. Yeah, and um, what episode are you on? Two yeah what what do you think
1: I quite like it I like I mean but, but I mean I can't judge based on episode two I was I had a few thoughts I did enjoy it um I feel like it's very like old school like fashion-y program but I I kind of like that stuff and I like seeing what they come up with because some of them I'm like oh my god this is exceptional
2: um I was a bit unsure about some of Alexa's outfits initially. Yeah, they get better. They get better. But yeah, I uh yeah, that first dress. I mean, it's not for me. I know. I was just a bit like. I mean, I I admire her bold decisions
1: with style. Um, but I was just a bit like, wow, this is cool, wild, wow. I mm. sound like such a nan. But I'm. I like. I love Tan. I love Alexa. And I really appreciate the craftsmanship because as someone who did GCSE textiles, I know a lot about fashion. (laughs) Um, So I do try and like, I just, I think it's amazing, like to do things so quickly on like a really couture level is so cool. But um, yeah, I'm going to stick it out. Um, I've kind of like seen people talking about who the winner is. I don't know who
2: it is. Obviously, I know it's a pair because they are in pairs. No, no, they get split up. The winner is a single person. Oh, okay. Well, I have much to learn then. Yeah. I thought, firstly, the music... Oh, I thought I was in a club. I had a headache. Just so <laughs> much. Just, yeah, just too much. That's- like, t- tone it down. And I had loads of messages on Instagram. And people were like, well, it's better than Project Catwalk because that was really bitchy and this doesn't feel like that. But there was just something missing for me. Like, like Alexa, like Tan, like the concept- contestants... I don't know. I was like, is it because I've been to fashion college and I find this whole situation a little bit stressful? Um, like, <laughs> is it my own experiences getting muddied with the show? But um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Mm, yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, I definitely would watch it again. So I think I watched episodes one to four in full, and or one to five in full, and then I was like, oh, bloody hell, there's like another five or six hours, and so I've got to crack on so I was like I just so that night I just like as I say skipped through them all and watched them like that and I'm very happy with who the winner is she was one half of my favorite duo I've just said she I'm sorry I'm sorry no enough has been said um yeah let's move on let's move on for I ruin it for anybody else um I have watched this week um the personal history of David David Copperfield how was it it was it was great. Um we got some babysitting and we went midday on a Saturday. Um I just want to complain about the price of my cinema tickets again, uh, because they were fourteen pounds seventy five and I'm not in London. Yeah. Please. Even picture house have put down their prices in Bromley. I don't know what the Odin and Lincoln's doing. It's one of the most expensive cinemas in the country. How my dad knows this information, I don't know. We are getting an everyman apparently in twenty twenty. Very excited. Ooh. But um, it was great. Um, yeah, it was great. Again, <laughs> I love Dev Patel. I mean, that boy's face—he's got the face of an angel. Um, and Armando Inannucci, His film style, you know, his directing style—it's very offbeat. So I think for me, sometimes it just takes me a while to get into his, him. You know, his stuff into this like surreal world. And yeah. then once I was into it, I was. You know, I had a great time, but it just takes me like, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes to adjust to this like whimsical world. I would like to point out as well, I'll I'll talk about the film in a minute, but bloody freezing. I had to say something when I came out. Oh, do you know what? Cinemas and aeroplanes, can't dress for them. I know, I know we've had this topic before, but honestly, my nose was freezing anyway. So I felt that that really... You have to like put your arms inside your jumper or something. Oh, Jack had to give me his coat to put on. (laughs) <laughs> um but it was a very serious screening I would like to point out like midday on a Saturday not a single person had a snack apart from me I was like these are serious cinema goers that's peak lunch I know I know <laughs> I had to eat at like half 11 because I was like well if we're going to be in there at twelve forty-five, like I'm going to be getting hungry could you not have taken lunch with you we didn't ha- we didn't have the like the pack up supplies Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. I did th- that. Did cross my mind. But it's got Dev Patel in, Peter Capaldi, Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton, um, and Aaron Barnard, um, who was in We'll Take Manhattan. And he played David Bailey. He's great in it. And um, and it's colourblind casting as well. So it's a Charles Dickens novel. Charles Dickens novel. <laughs> Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens novel. Um, mm-hmm. and it's the personal history of David Copperfield. And yeah, I think it's one of the first. Period films of its kind to have like real colourblind casting. Like it was incredible. Like it wasn't explained. It didn't need to be explained. It just was. And it I don't believe that it it jars the film in any way. And I, I really kind of disagree with people that think that about previous films. And in this film, it was just embraced and it was wonderful. Um, and I just think. More period films um, and TV shows should be like that because I mean, if we're going to keep making them, they don't have to be historically accurate. Like, yeah, for the sake of being historically accurate. Like, if everything's the, been made historically
1: accurate already. There's enough of historically accurate. Yeah, things.
2: and especially in that film as well because it it was some of the ways that things were shot. Like there was some scenes that I really loved where um, they were telling a story and then they project it onto the wall to kind of like show you the story. And you know, it it was it was quite kind of I don't know. It just all worked really well. um, And I absolutely loved it. I say I absolutely loved it. It just, as I say, it just took me a little while to adjust my kind of set to to kind of get into the film. But it was was really wonderful. And there's a whole kind of thread running through of... um, this family that live on the beach and I just loved the set that whole kind of boathouse you'll know what I mean when I see it um it was it was really really cool but yeah the first bit's very sad it's like a young Dev Patel um and it yeah it just and it's and set in certain Victorian workhouses and it was just it was just it just made me very sad oh okay well I will pop that on my list it was already on there but I'll pop it pop it even yeah. And then the last thing that I want to talk about, um, I meant to talk about last week, but quite frankly, we didn't have time. And that was AJ and the Queen.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting
1: for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full turns at mintmobile.com.
2: Um, which is on Netflix and it stars RuPaul. And it's actually, I think it's produced and written like basically RuPaul it's Ru- RuPaul's project and i started watching it on netflix and i was like mm, don't know if i like this don't know if i like oh oh i love this i'm invested <laughs> i'm invested give me a second i love it yeah it was that's what jean says all the time about everything she's like i love it oh glad. <laughs> that's where she's learned that from but yeah it's just really great it features uh, rupaul and michael leon Wooley, who um they are Best friends in it um, and I really really love their relationship um, and it features Izzy G who plays AJ so AJ is her and RuPaul is the queen um, and it's it's just a really it's just a really great watch that's all I can say about it basically she um, has had a horrendous upbringing like a really hard upbringing um, and she escapes um, in RuPaul's what do you call them those caravans on wheels <laughs> RVs. Uh, trailers? RVs. Yeah, yeah. RVs, sorry. Um, and she kind of stows away in his trailer and he is going on a drag tour um, around certain states of America and it's about their relationship. Um, And it's just really lovely, but also funny. And I'm not a massive fan of Drag Race. When I say I'm not a massive fan, like I just haven't watched it. I just haven't opened that vault. I know that I would love it.
1: Yeah, you would love it. Yeah,
2: it's just something that I've just not got around to. Um, but this, yeah, this was great. So if you like RuPaul and you like Drag Race, um, and even if you don't, watch it. It's it's just like fun, great entertainment. But also they cover some interesting kind of like dynamics and topics as well. Mm.
1: Ooh, I'm going to give that a while.
2: I always come away from like you learning about new things. I'm
1: like, how has this bypassed me?
2: Oh I know but I mean there's just so much good TV being ch- like I say churned out but there's just so much I mean we have to, I've got to get my eight hours in I don't see it like half the stuff you watch we, we both we both help each other that's why two what, what I was gonna say the two are better than one wow wise words get <laughs> that framed
1: Oh my God. Can I just stress that this was not my suggestion in case people are like, did she propose that she's interviewed
2: by their own podcast? I mean, why not? Your book is out in two days, and by the time this podcast is out, your book will be out there. How often are you writing a book? I mean, I d- exactly. exactly a loaded question oh, I don't know um, but you know like why not interview your mate about how she wrote a book I'm interested I've got questions the people have got questions Liv the people give I mean, the people what they want yeah so yeah it was not Liv's idea it was my idea um, and I'm very pleased with it so. And <laughs> um, but Liv just wants you to know she had absolutely nothing to do with it I've got loads of questions from oh people God. I'm going to quickly I'm
1: excited
2: right hang on let me um oh that's a good question i'm just going to screen grab this i have questions of my my own um but instagram have asked some questions and actually i really like that question sorry basically i'm a shit interviewer (laughs) so for anybody that doesn't know can you just tell them the title of your book
1: so the title of
2: the book is the insecure
1: girl's handbook
2: and give me the tagline again. Join the club, then learn how to leave it. Um, I'm going to talk more about the book and its contents in a bit, but I wanted to get down to like the nitty gritty of like how the hell you even begin writing a book and like what that process is all about. I think if we go like right back to the beginning, because I've kind of spoken to you for the whole process. Like it's a really, really long process. Like how long have you probably given this book your attention for?
1: I'd say from like start to point it just over two years or like under two years yeah um, it's not a small feat is it no it's a really it, it I've learned a lot and I feel like it's I mean I didn't expect it to be easy by any stretch of the imagination but I think it's a, it was a lot more challenging mentally and physically in terms of like self-motivation than I could have ever expected
2: Going back to the beginning, um how do you even get a book deal? Like do you have to write a treatment? Is that what they're called? Like yeah, where do you find them?
1: So I was very lucky in the sense that I had a literary agent. Um so it's Abby Bergstrom. She's absolutely amazing. Um and I followed her on Instagram and we kind of got talking and ended up representing me um so if you've got a literary agent that helps because it means that if you have a proposal or an idea they have contacts their editors so they can then contact those people get meetings in so it kind of helps get a leg up essentially but typically what kind of would happen is you'd have an idea you'd write a treatment or I mean in some case I think if it I, I mean this is for non-fiction I think if it's fiction you need a whole sometimes might need a whole manuscript. Um, I'm only talking from my perspective and also appreciate that I did have the assistance of a literary agent, which is a real privilege. So I think that's definitely something that I'm like, it's kind of like when people say, how did you buy a house? And it's kind of like, there's so many factors that kind
2: of align which is so unique to each individual case, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for um, your proposal, like how long was that? Because I know I remember you working on that and that was quite intense as well. Beast. So the proposal was eight thousand words.
1: Um so that included like the introduction, um, which is very, very similar to the introduction that's in the actual book, like very, very minor changes. Um, and then chapter breakdowns, there's six chapters in the book, um, and kind of like as much of a detailed description of each chapter as possible and what would be in it, who I wanted to talk to. Um, and then a bit about me and why I think it's an important book and all these things. I think it's funny because I think, the reason I wrote the book is because it was based on so many conversations I was having with friends or with myself and topics that kept coming up. But it's really pushed me into this place of like all these insecurities where I'm having to do this self promo. I'm having to say to people, this is a good book. When obviously when you're like shrouded with self doubt, that's a really hard thing to say because you're like, Oh, what if it isn't a good book? What if it's shit? Um, So you're kind of like battling with like an, your super super ego and also yourself um but yeah that's kind of like that was the proposal and that kind of changed and initially I'd written this proposal before I even started the Insecure Girls Club which is the Instagram page that kind of actually like I
2: couldn't have done the book without and vice versa I'm just going to interject and incredible web fight oh thank you just an instagram page like head to the inscored girls club website as well because i went on there the other day and was like this place is on fire it's so good
1: there is so much amazing content and i must shout out to charlotte who helps me not you charlotte you do help you help me in many ways but just not in this way um charlotte rollin who does a lot of the editorial content on there and pulls it all together so she is amazing and keeps that ticking over and looking flames but yeah so I started that and then I had some meetings with different editors and hit rejection I hit rejection in a few points which is really difficult um for different reasons um things like it wasn't quite right people were publishing similar things numbers of things but it's really hard because you you work really hard on something and I feel lucky that it was just a proposal it wasn't this whole manuscript
2: yeah they don't mince their words i remember like when we were kind of like talking afterwards and you you know you're like oh i've got a rejection and this is what they said i was like oh okay fine like sometimes it does well it's it's a business at the end of the day and sometimes they don't like to take a lot of risks all the time do they on on books
1: well that's it and i'm not an author by trade i'm not i mean I I think I can write I hope I can write um but I'm not an author that's sold lots of books it's like a safe bet so I understand it but also I think when you've worked hard I think especially with our industry you can put things out there instantly whether that's Instagram content or blog content and there's instant validation as well and I think this is such a different means of working in that you work so hard at something and it might never see the light of day um Or people won't like it. And I think it's a very different, I mean, obviously, not everyone likes Instagrams and likes blog posts, but it's that similar thing where you're kind of like, oh, you feel quite vulnerable. But um, yeah, so I had some meetings with editors, and then it was kind of coming back to the same thing where I was like, oh, like, I think people wanted to know there was more of an appetite for it because it's not necessarily something I always talk about on the blog. I was like, ah. So that's when I started up the Insecure Girls Club Instagram page because I was like, I, I was like, I know there's a community for this. I know there's people that want to talk about it. And I hadn't, had it. there was no strategy or big thoughts behind it. I was like, I'm just going to start an Instagram page. And I kind of had a folder on my saved files, on saved collections on Instagram where I'd save pictures that I really liked. So I was like, this is how I want it to look. And this is the kind of messages I want to send and people I want to interview and just literally started that and then that obviously kind of grew legs and just started running and I was like oh okay wow, this is amazing um and actually from doing that I feel like it's given the book so much more body and so much more just rounded it so much better because now it's shaped by the people who do feature on the website and do contribute and it feels more like everyone's book instead of just my book and just my voice which I never wanted it to be so yeah, it's just been such a wild learning curve, but um,
2: yeah, mad. Going back to when you did get a book deal um, instead of rejections, but I think that, I think that's important to talk about. Sorry, not to bring them up again, but um, let's talk about the actual writing. How many words is it? Is it
1: fifty thousand?
2: At one point, it was. <laughs> it's a lot of words. I haven't done a
1: dissertation before, so I hadn't. I was like, oh, this is going to be a lot of words. Um, and it was quite over because I think at the beginning, you're kind of writing on word and you're just looking at the word count at the bottom. And it's almost like when you do an essay at school that sometimes you end up over embellishing things because you're like, right, I need to take up a sentence that could be said in four words that you say in like 14 because you're like, and the great
2: big leafy tree flourished instead of just being like the tree like do you know what I mean yeah yeah definitely and so how long did you have for that initial first draft to like sit down and um and kind of get it together because I feel like you didn't have that long because you were getting married in the middle of it as well
1: yeah so I had about
2: two like
1: three months I think three or four months I can't remember of my head I know initially we had a chat and we were like could it be done in a month and I was like no way on god's green earth." Um, I was, well, I was like, I I think part of me was like, yeah, you can do that before the wedding. And then I was just like, Liv, like you've never written a book before. You might never write a book again. Like don't do it, like don't push it for the sake of it. And I think that was another thing that before I did it, I was like, I don't want to do anything for the sake of it because there are so many amazing voices and books are already out there that don't get the time of day that I was like, if I do do
2: something, it has to be valuable. Or useful in some capacity. How many edits does it have from there? Like how? Because it because I think there was one time you were telling me you were looking at like how it like laid on the page and I and I, not that it's the same thing, but when I had a magazine, I remember doing that. But I was like for a whole book.
1: Yeah. So you have like there's about two rounds of editing with your editor. So that kind of you'll send it away, and I mean I did it chapter by chapter, but then you send the whole thing away. I mean chapter by chapter is kind of they'll briefly look over it and say. You know, it's kind of like when you get an essay back at school, there might be a few red lines or like some footnotes, which will be like, hey, maybe you should expand on this. You've mentioned this before, take this out. So kind of just like ways to like just another pair of eyes. So there'll be a couple of rounds of that. And then you have a proofreader. Is that the, I feel like it's been so many things that my brain is now scrambled egg. Um, who will read over the whole thing, which is someone completely external who hasn't seen the book. Um, who will go over like grammar, syntax, like spelling, just little things that you kind of look over and you're like, I didn't even see that because I've looked at it so many times. And then it's, is there a copy editor? I Maybe mean, that's a copy editor. I thought, <laughs> there's so many people. So there's about four different people, I think that kind of read over at different points. And then it's typeset, which is when it's kind of set out as it will appear in the book. And then I read through it again as it will read in the book, kind of layout wise, where I wanted to drop things in, because one of the things we did was a survey for the book. So I was like, it'd be really great to get some stats in there that are like unique to the book and unique to the questions we're asking. But all of that is just, I gave myself a lot of admin that I feel like on paper, you're like, that'll be easy, that'll be fine. And then you're like, wow, I've never done a survey before. Like I've never had to go through all these GDPR regulations and consider all these different things. Cause obviously it's all sensitive data. Um, but it's just everything. I was kind of like, oh, I mean, it was every day it felt like a school day when I was writing it because you're being told things. And I think you, when you see a book, it's given me a real respect for people who write several books a year or any books, for a matter of fact, because you kind of just sit there pottering away and you put it out. And I mean, I felt I feel now the most
2: vulnerable I think I've ever felt in terms of putting anything out there. And I've had some bad outfit posts. <laughs> I've got a question that's from Instagram, and it's from Elizabeth Francis, um, and I think this is a great question. She said, what were the biggest roadblocks for you, and how did you overcome them?
1: I think just motivating myself, and like understanding that not every day had to be a productive day, and not to force that. It's kind of like with anything creative, I think, where you have days where you're like, I cannot come up with anything. I can't write a sentence, I have no motivation. And I think it was learning to accept that that was normal and not every day I had to come out with something that was really like intelligent and like stirring and amazing. Because I think because you're working to a deadline, there's that pressure that every day you have to write something useful. And I think there were days where I could write a sentence and I'd be like, I I
2: cannot come up with anything else. I've got nothing else to give. Yeah, you need to go and recharge and just completely switch off from that.
1: And not keep pushing. So I think there were times where I just, I'd do that. And then I'd beat myself up all day. and Just keep pushing, keep pushing. Instead of just going, do you know what? Let's take today off. Or let's work on something else. Let's revisit something that needed work. Or just go to email. Just use your brain for something else today. So I think that was really hard. And it was kind of, I think one of the other big roadblocks was just getting over the, like, just my own criticisms of doing it. And like my own perspective. Saying everything I write. I was like viewing it from so many different perspectives. Like, oh, but what about if it reads like this? Maybe it sounds like you're doing this and I think just being able to be vulnerable with it, if that sounds weird. I don't know, just writing really personal things and not overagging and I am overagging, I'm like over worrying now because like you might have a message from someone who you went to school with who'll be like, Oh, I can't wait to read your book and you're like, Oh shit, what have I what have I written about about school?
2: Like <laughs> Do you know But what that I mean? is literally your brand, like, and, yeah. and, as, and the dedication in the front. I mean, I'd say I don't want to ruin it, but I put it on my Instagram stories. But like you dedicate it to your mum and dad, which is the most beautiful thing ever. But like you say, that they're the original Nervous purposes And like that, that is your brand. So, you know, yeah, uh, I'm just nervous all, all the time all the time it's just who i am i've got another question from instagram and it's from hillary grant knitwear and she said what's in the book which i was gonna ask just so you know hillary i like this edition um and hillary asks can you talk us through some of your favorite chapters or like favorite bits of the book yes yes yeah. so the book is structured in six
1: chapters so hang on i'm gonna get one so i can read at the correct order okay so the book has got six chapters um and there's Starting with, I'm going to, I'll forget the order and people will be like, useless. So there's your inner critic, there's comparison, body image, your inner worrier, friendships and self-belief. So each chapter kind of starts with talking points on each of those things. So for friendships, it might be like making friends, loneliness, and there'll be a bit about each. There'll be a few people talking about their experiences. And then in each chapter, there's an interview or two with someone who's either an expert in their field or someone who's experienced whatever the chapter's on in some kind of way or spoken about it quite publicly. And then the second half of the chapter is solutions to those things. So ways you could make new friends or how to feel less lonely and just kind of real experiences from that side of things as well. So it's kind of like a, problem solution advice kind of thing and each one has like tips at the end in case you kind of can't be bothered to read it all or you just want to quickly flick through and be like i need an answer quickly and then at the back there's also like a library which has got like all of my favorite instagram accounts for like those things there's also like podcast recommendations which you know i can i can point you in the direction of some good podcasts um and then books oh look to-
2: there i am my name's in it <laughs> the fringe of it Absolutely not biased, Charlotte Jackman and Liv Purvis, there we go.
1: So there's that as well, so that's kind of how it works in each chapter, and there's just different tips and different people's experiences, and yeah, that's kind of how it works, and then there's a a little bit in each chapter called what we say versus what we should say, so it's things we say to ourselves and how to kind of reframe them, Um, and yeah, just lots of different things. I think it's a bit like a collage of different experiences and different voices, and yeah, hopefully there's something
2: in it for everyone. Um can we talk about the grey pages because um, yes. I'm quite I don't know. I just feel like I, I I very much feel like you could pick you could I this is what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to read the whole thing obviously. I'm going to read it on the train in a bit and then I feel like I can dip in and out of it which I think you may have mentioned on the chapter page. Hang on. Yeah. Um Life after the club, and I imagine you recommend that you can just pick it up whenever you like, um, yes. but yeah, the gray pet the gray bits tell me more so
1: in each chapter there 's the gray areas, um, which are gray pages, which are different interviews with different women experiencing or have spoken about these things so there 's Africa Brooke, who is in the first chapter who 's a mindset coach who is amazing. obviously all of these people you should absolutely follow on instagram, um, and then there 's Lucy Sheridan. Um, in the comparison chapter and then in body image I speak to Nadia Craddock who is a body image researcher and so amazing um and also Megan Jane Crabb who is body posi panda who we love oh we love her oh we love and then there's Sarah Powell um and we talk a lot about like believing in yourself and Obviously, she talks a lot about celebrating yourself. And then I'm just trying to remember everyone. I'm you were so. doing
2: so well. I was like, this is impressive. Do you want me to um, tell you
1: who else is in there? Oh, hang on up. Kate Lever, under the, the friend, who wrote The Friendship Cure. So she talks a lot about friendship and under friendship as well. Oh no, that's that's just the only person in friendship. Sorry, excuse me. Um, and then we've got Deba Syed, who is incredible. And she helped launch Rights of Women which is a free helpline for women in England and Wales who have been sexually harassed at work and need legal free legal advice, um, which is a totally different chapter of like different conversation itself. But she's really interesting and inspiring. And then finally, Simon Thompson. And um, so that's all about self-belief and kind of, picking yourself up and knowing how to carry on with the going gets tough essentially but um yes there's different interviews in there as well and then like peppered throughout there'll be like different quotes and people um I believe you're in there I don't know what chapter I think
2: I think you might be in the beginning sorry Um, I'm gonna take highlighter pen and just highlight every time I'm mentioned
1: oh yeah (laughs) oh god you're gonna be like right what a colorful read but yeah no that's it's a real like I want it to be so you can just pick up and flick through or read to the like read the end tips if you just need something quickly or a great quote or
2: something but um yeah
1: that's what's inside that's the con that's the hot
2: content I've got one more question from hashtag underscore emt or emt um which says what age do you feel this book's aimed at is it mostly teens and young girls and um, she's in her 20s but I'm not gonna answer this question but I'm 33 and I'm very excited to read it
1: yeah I feel like I'd like to think that whether you're a teenager who was just kind of like started secondary school or is trying to find their feet or is like a 20 30 something kind of going through friendship struggles I like to, I hopefully think there's like universal things for every woman um in some capacity I think there's going to be things that people will relate to you more than others at certain ages but like even the women I've spoken to I think there's it goes up to women in their 50s and it's I tried to keep it as kind of broad as possible without kind of it's hard because I think insecurity isn't necessarily something that we ever lose but it kind of changes with time and age um so I try to discuss the different kind of facets of insecurity from that point when you're at secondary school to when you're at work in a workplace or self-employed um so I'd kind of say like maybe from 14 to I don't know I don't know you
2: don't have to put you don't have to put a a top limit on it I think yeah anybody that's going to relate to it which I think you know is nice
1: thing is you might be a
2: 22 year old who picks it up and
1: is like there was nothing in that for me hopefully not but I think it's like a case by case really and you might if you're the most secure person in the world you'll be like what is this (laughs) this
2: book is not for me and that's fine different strokes for different folks exactly and good I'm glad that people are secure enough to not need it thank god (laughs) um my last question is there anything you tell your past self um when you were writing the book Ooh, uh
1: it's hard because I feel like because it's not out yet
2: yeah you're I still like, you're still
1: worried aren't you still worried and maybe in a few months I might look back and be like god you really shouldn't have worried or you should have worried way more um <laughs> hopefully not the latter. but I just think like even at the moment I'm I am thinking that I need to worry less about it because I'm like I've done it it's mine and I know there's that Brene Brown quote that the wonderful Sarah Brandt always reminds me of, which is kind of saying you put yourself in the arena, like you've done it. Like whether, you know, someone thinks they could have done better or it's not perfect, like you still put yourself in that arena and did it. And I'm like, that's what I'm trying to remember. No matter which way it spun or however many people like it, I'm like, I did it. And I think I'm trying to remain proud of that because there's, you know, there's points where I thought I'd never be able to do something like this. And what an honor it is to have done something like this. So try to remember that and just think, God, you did it. You did it on your own and you wrote this bloody book and people can walk into Oliver Bonus and buy it. Like, that's bloody mad. Like, sometimes it doesn't quite sink in and then sometimes it does and I have a dramatic bath
2: and have a cry. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at your dramatic baths.
1: (laughs) How dare you? I know, sorry. But I think that's it. It's like there are times where I'm just like, oh my God, this is mad even when I got it and I saw that the ISBN number and then the fact it's like there was there's um what do they call it a C- CIP catalogue record this book is available from the British Library and I was like that is mad so I think that's it just going into like waterstones and seeing it on a table that's weird that's the weirdest thing is seeing it on a table in waterstones and not walking out with one
2: without paying because you <laughs> think
1: that is like this sh- because it's just like I've got loads in my house. That I'm like, oh, it's just my book. I'll just pick it up. And I'm like, Liv, you can't steal.
2: Um, next week, we'll be doing this from?
1: From prison.
2: I hope it's like Paddington too.
1: Well, that's the only kind of prison I ever intend on visiting. Um, and hopefully as a visit. No, I don't want
2: to go to... <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, Liv's book is going to be out on Thursday, the 6th. So by the time this podcast is out, it will be out, Liv will be having dramatic baths.
1: Hopefully, good dramatic baths.
2: Yeah, good, good, good dramatic baths. And um, it is fourteen ninety nine RRP. But you know, I feel like people just make up the price of books these days. As in, like at the moment, you can get it for most at most places for ten
1: pounds forty nine pence. So worth keeping a peeper open. Excellent. um well, thanks very much for being my guest this week, Liv oh thank you so much for having me I'm I'm honoured to be on the podcast that I love and listen to so very much well the fringe of it will be
2: glad to have you back anytime you like (laughs) great well I'm going to wrap this up because I've got a train to catch and um, we will speak to you next week we'll see you next week
1: thank you so much for listening
2: bye bye bye